And I realized there was so much about pleasure that I didn't know. (laughs) There's so much we haven't been taught about pleasure. Hi everyone, I'm Elle Daniel, yoga teacher, coach, writer, and now host of this podcast, Well Actually. In this podcast, we will explore well-being practices and self-care that actually work, getting into the nitty-gritty and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of what's really needed to live a life truly well. Join me and my expert guests in honest conversations about how to take ownership of your physical, mental and emotional health, cutting through the fluff so that you can make this year your best yet. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to Well Action. Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode of Well Actually. Music playing us in there is the track Lemons by the very talented Polena. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of chatting with Gabriella Espinoza. Gabriella is a midlife empowerment and sexuality coach, and she's also a yoga and somatic movement teacher. She's passionate about empowering women to know, trust, and appreciate their bodies through perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Her work lies at the intersection of embodiment, neuroscience, Eastern traditional wisdom, and women's health and sexuality. And she's been guiding women for the last 15 years through this time of change in their lives. And she is such a font of wisdom. And I really don't think that, you know, it's too early to get into these conversations. I think this is this is a big change that people go through. And it's nice to have the tools in place to know how to navigate that change. So this is a really, really different and really wonderful episode. I hope you enjoy it. And now on to Gabriella. Welcome, Gabriella, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to chat with me. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to see you again. Yeah. Um, so I will start by asking you, are you well, actually? Hmm. So I'm just going to take a moment to just really feel into that question. And yeah, as I as I just sort of tune in and notice, I feel my shoulders softening. I feel this seeing you, being with you, although it's virtually, I just feel this really lovely kind of heart expansion, love connecting with you. And I am in my new home where we're actually, I've actually come back home to my birth city of, of Houston, Texas. So I'm looking out my window into this beautiful park that I grew up in. Um, so many beautiful memories. And it is really that feeling. I have that feeling right now of just coming home, being at home in myself, being at home in my body. So yeah, I feel what <laughs> Right. That's so good. So I guess you would describe the feeling of wellness as being at home in your body. In yeah, your just feeling, you know, that that experience of being comfortable in your own skin. And I think when we when we feel this, we're able to engage with life more fully. And um, you know, unfortunately, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, we face daily in a culture that prioritizes productivity, doing versus being, right, leads to a disconnecting from our bodies. It leads to discomfort, to numbing. So um, I think it's so, so um, important to be in that day-to-day engagement with our internal states, really, and acknowledge compassionately where we are in the moment, instead of rushing to try to fix it, to bypass it. And so sitting in that discomfort, if it's discomfort, because it's in that discomfort, I always say that our greatest learning lies. And then finding practices, and this is what I share with people, I know it's what you do in your practice of yoga, there's so many modalities out there, finding a modality that works for you, that allows you to soothe and tend to your feeling state. And that opens this doorway 
um, to a greater sense of what I call embodiment, which is that compassionate dialogue with your inner world of sensations, emotions, and feelings, bringing your whole body online and present. I mean, your body is talking to you all the time, right? right. It's talking to you all the time, but as I mentioned, we live in a culture where we bypass those languages and we hear that um, that phrase in the wellness world, listen to your body. <laughs> what does that really mean, right? Yeah. Um, and it is that, it is taking time to notice what is your body asking of you in the way of nourishment, in the way of connection, in the way of rest, movement, pleasure, and how can you tend to those messages that your body's sending you? Amazing. And this is your, this is the work you share. You're an embodiment coach. Um, yes. So yes. could you tell me perhaps a little bit about, tell us a little bit about your journey to embodiment? I'm sure it's oh. an ongoing journey, but could you tell us? I mean, I'm sure it'll, it'll take a time, but if you can, you know, give us Yeah, that. no, it's, it's an ongoing journey. Um, let's see. Well, I can, I be having been back home, being back home now in the US, you know, I lived in the UK for so yeah. long. I've had time to reflect on um, this question because I've actually, I've, I feel that coming home to myself. And I do remember, you know, when I was young, having that beautiful sense of um, wonderment and engagement with the world around me. I remember my first one of my first sort of somatic experiences, meaning that sense of tuning into my feeling state. Um, my, my father was always one of my greatest teachers. He used to put on a piece of music that I loved. I, I remember it clearly, Ravel's Bolero. And he would have me close my eyes, put my hands on my belly. And he's like, what, can, what do you feel? What do you sense? What are you envisioning, right? It's such a clear memory that, 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 that wonderment with, music, that wonderment with my senses, with mm. what I was envisioning. And and I see and and I engage we engage with life like that when we're young, right? That yeah. sense of wonderment at all. I had this beautiful rose garden in the park that I, I live close to now. And I remember so clearly, I mean it lives in my cellular memory, going to that park and smelling those roses. It was such a delight. And now I get to go and do that. I literally am, you know, steps away from this park and I go and do that every day. I go and smell the roses. Um, but it is that that sense of wonderment and awe and engagement with life that we experience with when we're young that we disconnect from as we move through life and become adults. So for me, that started happening, that disconnection. Actually, um, when I um, when I became a mom. Really? Interesting. <laughs> when I became a mom and all of a sudden I was thrusted in, I didn't have a handbook yeah but I don't think anyone ha hands us a handbook of how to be parents no matter how much you try to to read and prepare but I didn't have a handbook and um I was striving to be the perfect mom the perfect wife do all the things um to create a, a safe and nurturing family system pretty much create a lot of what um I didn't have, so I, you know, I, I did have that nurturing experience with my father, but then there was a time when there was some rupture in my oh. early childhood. My parents divorced. I was raised by a single mom who was constantly on survival mode, and she imprinted into my nervous system that same sense of survival, right, of protection and being hypervigilant. So I I, that was my model. That, that was my model of parenting. So even though I didn't need to parent in that way, I was in a very stable marriage. I was financially secure, something my mother wasn't. I was educated. Mm -hmm. I spoke English. My mother was an immigrant to the U.S., so she wasn't fluent in Span in English. She spoke Spanish, so mm -hmm. she was, you know, understandably in this constant survival mode. And that's what I saw. That's what imprinted in my system, and that's what I modeled when I became a parent, even mm -hmm. though it was not necessary. Yeah. And so that constant hypervigilance, that constant striving, trying to achieve something, you know. 
um, sent me into this state of disconnect from myself. And um, I hit a point where I was burned out. At the same time, I was also trying um, to establish my um, my business as a yoga teacher. So I was, you know, teaching back-to-back -back classes as we all used to be when we were first getting started. <laughs> and, you know, living in a busy city like London, hitting the tube. So just, you, you get the picture, <laughs> trying to parent, trying yeah. to have your own business, trying to do all the things. And I burned out. I totally burned out. I developed a um, autoimmune condition called Graves hyperthyroid. Oh, yeah. Hyper, not hypo. So that means you're thyroid goes into overdrive producing yes. too much thyroid hormone mm. and it kind of mimics some of the similar and this was when I was in my mm, late 30s early 40s like just beginning just beginning my 40th year and they mimic the same symptoms hyperthyroid mimics the same symptoms of what I now know is perimenopause so that late reproductive stage in a woman's life when her hormones start to fluctuate, um, your progesterone starts to decline, your estrogen is going up and down. At the time I didn't know it was perimenopause. So I was living in what I call this liminal, this liminal state, sort of not knowing where, you know, just not, not knowing where I was going to, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out where I was coming from. And it was a very confusing time in my life. You know, I, yeah. I spent about eight years in that perimenopause state, very confusing. Um, it, there wasn't as much awareness of, um, of that stage in a woman's life as there is now. And so what I did was I dug deep, found the teachers, found the guides, um, and it was through embodiment practices, really that mm. connecting with my inner world, seeing what was there to excavate and to witness and to um, to 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 face and know what those less what lessons those those um, those internal my my inner body world was trying to tell me, and so um, it was it was you know a real coming into my own really it was a really um kind of emerging on the other side now I feel like um I've accumulated all of this wisdom I've been able to um connect and feel comfortable with my body and not in a way that um I don't want you know I don't want I'm not longing for the 20 30 year old version or even 40 year old version I'm now you know 50 55 but I'm really feeling like I'm owning my 55 year old version owning my pleasure my power my purpose and can communicate my desires from a place of um, truth from a place of love and I, this is what I want for everyone yeah that's so interesting what you say about owning your pleasure because I think women's pleasure although things are different now than they were maybe 20 30 years ago i still feel that women's pleasure is can be shrouded in a bit of shame and even more so as you become older um this idea that you know maybe you're not so, like it's just not shown as much being sexual that's why i love i would sensual even i love the videos you put where you're doing your somatic movement and you're just moving the hips and like really connecting in because it's so beautiful and mm -hmm. and you know i think we're lucky because you know we have and you were you you said you had to dig deep to find those teachers and those guides but perhaps working already in the yoga world we're already a little bit more aware of where these people are maybe but for people who for, for people in their perimenopause or or in the menopause who don't have any access to that, it must seem like, oh, I guess I'll just go hide in a in the corner of the room then and get through this. I don't know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think um I think understanding, right, that um, especially if you're entering that phase, that it we know now that it happens as I as I experience in the later reproductive stage of most women so that can be in your mid to late 
30s when you start experiencing those symptoms. So, you know, really empowering yourself with knowledge, knowing, uh, you know, learning all there is to learn about this phase in a woman's life. So, you know, menopause is just one day, right? So you can think, oh, that day is way, way, way off into the future. I don't even want to think about it. But so it's just one day. The period leading up to menopause can last anywhere from three to 10 years, right? right? And it starts in our mid to late 30s until you reach maybe the average age of menopause, which is 51. And in that in between, in that liminal phase, right, we do experience those hormonal fluctuations. And it's so important to be prepared to, to, to prime our bodies for that initiation, for that transition. Mm -hmm. And um, no, it doesn't have to mean going and sitting in a corner of a room. <laughs> it's really taking stock of of, of how you're managing your stress. Stress is such a huge driver of our symptoms. It's um, it's hugely important. That's why I teach a lot of, you know, I start with embodiment. It is really taking stock of how you experience your inner world so that you're able to, to shift and tend to your body in the way that your body needs to. So really being able to listen to those messages mm -hmm. instead of bypassing. Does your body need rest? Does it need movement? Maybe you need to shift the kinds of movement. So when I was going through that time period, I was like most of us really, you know, engaging in some intense forms of yogic practices. <laughs> practicing, you know, maybe three, two, three hours a day. I was a big lover of Ashtanga at the beginning. Then I moved to Iyengar, um, which was really intense and very, um, I love the structure. It was very precise and um, and, uh, and alignment, the, the precision and alignment really resonated with me, but it meant holding poses for a really long time and meant mm -hmm. getting into really difficult poses at a time when I wasn't really resourced for that. So I would arrive home in the evenings feeling exhausted, feeling like ready just to hit, hit my, my head on my pillow and just, <laughs> you know, call it a night, but I couldn't, I had to keep going. So I would override, I would override it because I had three kids. Mm. I had to put dinner on the table. I had to help with homework. I had to take them to, you know, football matches, after school activities, and I had to also go teach. Right. Mm. So I was constantly overriding that. And so it, I, you know, I got to a point where my yoga practice was basically just lying over my bolster for 15 to 20 minutes a day in the morning and then in the evenings. But I didn't know that was what I needed, <laughs> right? Yeah. I didn't know that's what, but when I crashed and burned out, that became my yoga practice, just lying over my bolster, hands on body, listening and paying attention to my breath, really tuning into what was it, asking myself, what does my body need right now in this moment? And if it was, you know, having to cancel some of my private one-to-ones or shift them or saying no, really establishing some firm boundaries, saying no to, you know, certain engagements, especially in my, that had to do with, you know, my kids' schools or even at home with my partner, really rearranging how we managed our day-to-day -day family life and just saying, you know, I am going through this period of, my life right now. I am entering this very tender moment um, where I need rest, where I need help, where I need support, and where I need a bit of holding. And so it's 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 all of those things that we don't ask for as women, especially. Um, you know, we think we can do it all, and we think we can just keep, you know, striving and doing when it really requires um, time to pause. Okay. And yeah. really listen in and 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 tend to what our um our bodies need, and um and yeah, so much um of that period was about suppressing, pushing down my desires, my wants, my needs, and that also happened, you know, in 
for me um, sexually, right? Mm. Um, especially during this time when your libido goes down, your libido, for me, it kind of switched off and I didn't know what happened. Yeah. And I realized there was so much about pleasure that I didn't know. <laughs> Totally. there's so much we haven't been taught about pleasure it's well, this been is the thing about it being kind of kept in the you know the, the idea that women you know yes of course of course we're sexual beings but it's that thing of like let's not talk about it though let's not share about it let's just yeah. keep it in the private so yeah it's been seen as taboo as something to to keep secret as something to be feared yeah right? it's as though um you know we're going to cause some harm <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we engage our 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 you know it, with our with our sexual energy and and you know the truth is you know in the in the yogic scriptures teach us this you know this um mm. is that we've all been brought into the world with this energy it's life force energy nice. right and um your life force energy you can call it chi you can call it your vitality your spark whatever you want to call it it feeds our creativity it feeds our spontaneity our passion our power it's the current of energy that flows all around us yeah. through the mountains through the rivers and um it's we're all part of it we're all are part of it i remember learning that that teaching of this life force energy that we all have, you know, early on in my um, yoga learning um, process. Mm. And it really stuck with me. And, and it wasn't until I hit that wall of like that, I had lost that life force. I had lost my mm. connection to that life force where I thought I need to do, I, 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 I need to do something uh, about it I, I want to reclaim it I want to find it again and so and then especially when you when you're going through this very tender period of perimenopause in your mid to late 30s um you arrive to this point and you're wondering where has that spark gone right and we're wanting to reclaim that connection our connection to that energy mm -hmm. um so that is what what I do I I, I teach practices that allow us to reconnect with that energy because the whole world benefits when we are connected to that energy. When we're connected to that energy, it ripples out into our communities, into our relationships, um, into our family life, into our work. So I work within a framework I called embodied female pleasure. Mm. And it helps women reconnect with their body, cultivating a deeper awareness of sensations and um, addresses the nervous system. The nervous system is essential um, to, to allow you to um, identify and process emotions. Mm -hmm. It allows you to expand your perception of pleasure so you can experience it in all aspects of your life. So it's not only you know, the sexual aspects, it is that engagement with life. What is it that lights you up in the morning when you wake up? And it's a, um, you know, the processes, the practices that allow you to access pleasure that's already deeply within you. And that's something that I um, realized that that goodness, you could call it goodness, you can mm. call it, is innately part of each and every one of us. So of it's, it's a process that allows you to deepen your appreciation for your body and, and enhance your, your, your confidence um with your with your body and yeah. helps you um really awaken um other you know bigger expansive potential for for pleasure um both sensually and sexually totally and did you have was there like a turning point on was there was it more over time like throughout perimenopause for you or was there like a a one moment where you you had an experience where you it, it sort of started off the next phase when you were like right i'm getting back in touch with my sensuality my set that energy that chi that you speak of mm -hmm. well i mean it was that feeling of having lost it completely mm. feeling of not being feeling at home in my skin not feeling yeah. at home that sense of disconnect and yes of course like I said it ripples out into your family life into your relationships so um 
I I knew I knew that that was something that was missing. I had I had tasted it. I had felt it. I had experienced it, mm-hmm. and so it was missing. And so um, it was a gradual process. And when I went there, when I went engaged with a lot of these embodiment practices that I share with with women, um, when I started studying with my teacher Michaela Bohm about ten years ago. There was a lot of resistance to go there because it meant uncovering a lot of things that I didn't want to see, a lot of things that I had been pushing down, right? Because that's what we do, right? When we are um, trying to be everything that we want to be, um, whether it's you know your your you know the, the perfect wife, the perfect mom, or be the perfect yoga teacher, mm-hmm. you know doing all the things that you want to do that societies have asking to, to do. You start you know pushing down things that need to be uncovered, and then also the perimenopause phase because your progesterone levels are declining. Your progesterone is that feel good hormone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your progesterone is declining, your estrogen levels are going up and down. So you're losing sleep. But what what happens when your progesterone levels start to decline is all that stuff that you have been pushing down starts to come up to the surface to be reckoned with. And what happened for me was that I had to deal with a lot of issues that I hadn't dealt with, especially around... um, Adverse childhood experiences is what, you know, we we call them, you know, they're traumatic um, events that happen when we're young that have a, a lasting impact on your mental, emotional, and overall well-being. So I had to start uncovering and dealing with some of those adverse childhood experiences. And, and you know, they can be adverse childhood experiences if for anyone who is not familiar with them. Um, they can be, you know, um, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse as a young child. It could be the divorce of your parents. Mm-hmm. It could be living with a parent who has a substance abuse issue. Mm-hmm. It can be having been aban- abandoned, you know, as a child. It can be having um, a death, you know, of a loved one. Um and when we experience them as young, um, as young people, as young children, mm. um, they do, and we're they're not dealt with. They do have a lasting effect. And and research shows, research has shown that when we're moving through the perimenopause, menopause transition, if you if you've experienced adverse childhood experiences, which most of us have, oh. right? Most of us have some kind of adverse childhood experience. Um, that if you haven't really dealt with them, um, you can experience um, greater to greater and, and more intense symptoms of menopause. So your symptoms are more intense and can last longer or they can start earlier, right? So um, if you haven't dealt or if you have experienced these adverse childhood experiences. So we all know, especially um, in this world of COVID, when we were forced to be at home with our bodies, that a lot of that came up, right? The whole collective experience was traumatic. We've experienced collectively Mm. so many traumatic experiences, Um, but it also uncovered um, the fact that we, our bodies are holding so much for us. Mm -hmm. So many experiences, so many wounds, so many um, events that that are there to be um, witnessed, there to be uncovered and there to be healed. And so um, what I do with these practices is get women in touch with um, with their in, with what their body is holding them. I'm trauma-informed, I'm not a trauma therapist, but so if things come up that are of a, that, you know, that trigger traumatic experiences and that I feel, you know, women need, um, deeper support with, then I'll refer to a trauma therapist or a somatic experiencing practitioner. And I also, you know, go through this onboarding questionnaire when I work with women to make sure that 
they're aware of trauma in their in their history and whether or not they've dealt with it. So that is um, a big component of my personal experience and something that I continually work with and mm. I support women in, in getting the right support with or helping them move through that. Hello, I hope you are enjoying this episode. If you feel inspired by the conversation we're having to take your well-being journey that little bit further, you can now join Well Actually in Practice, a platform of hundreds of classes ranging from yoga and movement to breathwork and guided meditations to coaching classes and journal prompts. You can even find philosophy talks on there. It's a real 360 for your well-being, and I'm really proud to offer it to you for just £15 a month, which is actually less than the cost of a yoga class right now. And even better, you get to enjoy your first seven days completely free, and it can be cancelled anytime. There's no strings attached. Head to the show notes for the sign-up link to start your free trial or head to www.yogiel.com forward slash well actually. Now, back to the episode. So I I work with um, a variety of, of somatic modalities mm. um, to help women um, to help women deal with... Um, just for any of the listeners... Just for any of the listeners that might not know what the word somatic means, could you give a little just brief explanation? Just so sure, sure, sure. So somatic comes from the Latin word soma, which means the living body. Um, it was um, somatic. Um, somatics was developed in the 1970s by an educator and movement therapist named um, Thomas Hanna, and it's a body-based approach of um, movement, of body work, of talk processes, which emphasizes the internal perception and experiences of the body. And so it works with this idea of interoception, right, of feeling your inner body. So when we are better able to feel within our bodies, we can access our body's innate intelligence. We can um, access the, our body's subtle cues for support, for healing, for well-being, mm. and from this place we can return for that sense to that sense of being at home in our bodies, of of welcoming really the full spectrum of our human experience, the comfortable and not so comfortable, and doing so from a place of compassion, and and when you. It connect with your internal body world with somatic practices. They help facilitate self-awareness. You are able to develop clear boundaries, improve self-esteem. You're able to regulate your emotions. You're able to um, make better decisions. You feel better ab about your body and in your body. You have a sense of enhanced intuition. And uh, again, you know, like a deeper connection with yourself and with with others, and so it's such a powerful, powerful modality. And yes, some forms of yoga do are are somatic in in origin, um, but it's it's not a um, it's not it's different from yoga or from from dance in the sense that it's non-linear. So it's yes. non-directional, yes. right? So I can't tell you how to feel in your body. Only you have the answer of that. So I guide you to feeling mm. what you there is to be felt in your body through the practices, but your body is doing it for you. Your body's intelligence is guiding you Amazing. and so I work with a practice called the non-linear movement method which is a powerful somatic modality which allows you to identify release and process stress and emotional tension it smooths out your nervous system it releases trauma patterns into flow opens your body to your your innate wisdom and makes space for creative expression and um, connection to your self, your heart, and your own personal expression in the world. And so there are a series of very subtle, continual, non-forced movements that are guided by your own bodily um, intelligence. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, actually, what if you had a sort of a daily 
somatic movement that you mm. was sort of like a non-negotiable but I guess maybe from what you said it it changes day to day and how you move well this um, modality the non-linear movement method has um different different modalities within that that modality within the method and so there is a modality called moving what you're feeling so it's um very simple you can do it on your hands and knees or you can do it if you're more experienced do it standing up and you know i put on i create a playlist and i put on a, a track from the playlist and i just start exactly doing that moving with what i'm feeling like really closing my, my eyes tuning in and moving with what i'm feeling in that moment so it could be i'm moving with tension i'm moving with anger I'm moving with sadness. And then with the movement, I'm able to start shifting and processing and identifying what my body is holding for me. And sometimes just the awareness of, wow, that's what my body's holding for me today, sadness. Sometimes it's the shifting of that sadness to an, another state of being. So I'm not trying to not feel or push away what I'm feeling. I'm trying to acknowledge and process what I'm feeling and um, welcome where I am in this moment with compassion. And um, I, you, know, you can move into another feeling state, which is amazing, but that's not what I'm necessarily trying to do. There's also another modality called um, release. So I know you, you spoke to Mia Togo in your first episode where she's, she spoke of rinse and release I think that's her mm. modality mm. um so this modality is not the same as as her rinsing process but it is has that effect of rinsing and releasing through movement mm. and so I guide you um in simple prompts so you're guided by my prompts you're guided by the energy of the music and you're guided in feeling and releasing what there is to be um, feeling what there is to be felt and releasing what there is to be released so that's another modality mm -hmm. there is a there's pleasure so pleasure um moving into pleasure is another modality where we start to um, tune into that innate pleasure and goodness that we all have within us and we do that through gentle exploration of breath movement sound um, and then there's another modality called calling in, which is mm, another form of sort of manifesting, if for lack of a better word, right? Most people understand that word of manifesting, but I call it, we call it calling in. So it's, I guide you with prompts, music, movement to really tune in an embodied way. What is what you want to bring forth in the world what is it that you want to call in what is your purpose and so we work in a very embodied way with your intentions and what it is that you want to manifest in the world so those are some of the modalities within this method yeah that's so beautiful and um with the one where you're say where you're rinsing or when you're sorry when you're releasing Mm -hmm. Do you often find that it's it does it helpful after you've moved through some stuff? Is it helpful to then journal or even mm. I mean just yes, create absolutely. something even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, journaling, there are a series of prompts. So within the the guided um practice, which mm -hmm. I guide you. So if I'm guiding you on Zoom or in person, I'm guiding you with prompts or you have a recording of it. Mm. Some, I, I make recordings for, for private clients. So I'm guiding you with a series of prompts already within um, the practice. And then after the practice, there's a moment of integration of taking time to just rest and notice what there is to be felt. What is it? How is it that you're feeling? And then um, I guide you through yeah, journaling with the prompts that um that were sort of dropped in <laughs> during the practice itself oh, um, yeah. at the end so yeah there's an opportunity to journal and 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 yeah process what you are releasing what came up for you in the practice um and it's an incredibly um empowering and um practice to be able to really 
have that, to have, you know, to take ownership of um, what it is your body's holding and being able to release that and move into a more expanded state of, of wellness mm. and um, feeling, you know, safe and at home in your body. And, and the fact that you're doing this, I find working, I don't know if you find this when you're working online, um, that people, when people are in their own home spaces, right? So when you're working on Zoom and people are in their home home spaces and their own personal spaces, it adds that extra level of safety, right? So there is greater freedom, right, to to release if you need to, right? So if, you know, if people are feeling, you know, a little bit self-conscious, you know, I ask them to turn the video, to, to turn the computer away, or they can turn off their videos while they're practicing and they're listening to me. Um, but some people love practicing with other people. Some of, and and that also provides that collective energy of of release. So I can I tend to do both. I ha- I'm going to gradually start working my way to doing um, group um, sessions again. But I haven't done that for a while. Just and for this hold- very thing that people find it find it safer to do it in their own personal space. Yeah. And also, if you as you say, if you have that period after where you might just want to lie down. Um, exactly <laughs> rather than having to think okay I've got to drive home now or I've got to get the tube exactly you exactly are. yeah no it is very can be a very cathartic experience and yeah you need time for integration definitely yeah yeah I think that's such a big because I remember when the you know when it first when lockdown first happened and it was kind of that thought of how are we going to teach yoga online how we're going to practice yoga online and obviously you know it's nice to have the community but there is it works um and there are benefits to it as well exactly exactly <clears throat> excuse me is that and you know just um i always ask this it's a bit of a controversial question but i like to throw a bit of spiciness in there um is there anything you see online or you know in like the wellness landscape that you think damn, this is actually not good. This is really harmful. This is counterproductive. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't have to answer it if you don't want, but if you're feeling it, yeah. No, I do think because I um I work mostly with women who are moving through this phase of perimenopause and menopause and, and postmenopause, I, I find, um, you know, some of the, the the harsher kind of hit and cardio practices mm. are um can be destabilizing for our hormones at this period at this time right um they can increase cortisol levels and cortisol levels um you don't want to be doing that because stress is the driver of a lot of our symptoms during this phase so i find really intense cardio crossfit workouts not great for if you're moving through this period of 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 life and you know you can always return to them so i find now that i'm on the other side i'm my body's craving for (laughs) some of those more um intense um workouts like intense yoga practices so i find that i'm going back i i you know i spent so much time like I said, lying over my pillow, start doing a lot of restorative practice, yin practices, gentle practices. But now I'm finding, oh, I want to go back to a really mm, deep and intense Iyengar practice, or even, you know, um, I, I haven't gone back to Ashtanga, but you know, or I'll do um, a more um, intense vinyasa practice. My body's craving, that, and I, my body feels strong and capable of doing that now, where it was where I before. I didn't feel that, but I still sometimes did it because I felt, oh, that's that's what I want to do. It's it's the right thing to do. So in answer to your question, any practice where we're pushing our body into that overdrive, into that um, stress response. And and it, it really takes, again, that being able to tune into and listen to your body and see what kind of practice it needs on any given day. And, you know, our bodies love novelty our body loves our bodies love variety so i vary my movement practices from day to day i have a toolkit of movement practices so 
My mm-hmm. nonlinear movement practice is my non-negotiable. I do it every day when I wake up and it can be done to the track of one song. So sometimes, sometimes it's only three minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's a whole playlist. So <laughs> that's what I love about it is that it can be, um, it can be done in bite-sized um, um, practices, bite, yeah. bite-sized moments where you, you it's like flossing your teeth. You spend yeah. however much <laughs> time you want or can in that moment. And, and it does benefit you. So I'll, that's my non-negotiable. And, you know, weight training for us is so important. Again, from your mid-30s, we start to experience bone loss so we've well we've been building bone through our youth and into our 20s but once you hit your 30s mid 30s you start to experience a decline in um, bone density so you know making sure your bones are strong are really important is really important um so i do some weight training just for that just to keep my bones healthy um yoga certain yoga practices are great for that so when you hold poses for more than 10 seconds, 10 to 30 seconds, you're you're helping your bones. You're improving that bone density because it's in it's that tugging of muscle to bone where you're creating, activating those bone strengthening cells. So mm. um, you know, if you don't like hitting the gym and doing weight training, which I do think is important. <laughs> twice a week 30 minutes right you can get some of the same benefits from yoga anything where you're weight bearing through your hands through your feet through your sittings is so so important to to help your bones um Mm. i do weight training and my yoga practices and i love i've I've fallen in love again with pilates because i love too I love sort of that, you know, as I think you were, you used to dance. I used to be a dancer. So I love that lengthening of my muscles. And I love, um, you know, if you're kind of flexible already, although you don't have to be, it kind of makes you, it helps you, you know, maintain that sense of flexibility. It helps my posture. I like right now talking to you and um, it just, you know, I leave, I leave Pilates feeling longer and walking yes. straighter and a little bit more proud and I lo- I love it so I do all and then walking I love 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 walking as I said I live next to a park and say so I take my dog walking love being outdoors so I like I love to vary it I think it's so important to vary our forms of movement um according you know to what our body needs on any particular day totally yeah, I mean, I, I, I got into weights in the last year and I thought I'm not going to like this, but I love it. It's because it's it feels quite powerful. It makes you feel powerful. Yeah, strength is so important for, for, for us, you know, and feeling strong. I, I love it. I love that, that, that feeling of, of strength and power. Yeah. And is there anything that you do that is not really an obvious, let's call it a wellness practice that you wish more people knew about? It could be, you know, like a hobby or something, anything that puts you, I guess, into that flow state. Is there anything you'd like to share? Mm, I think um, really bringing mindful attention to your sensory experience. So engaging with the senses is such a beautiful doorway for um, deepening our engagement with ourselves and the world around us. And so, you know, really taking time to savor a delicious meal, really savoring, noticing the colors, textures, how it feels in your mouth, what it feels like when you when you when you put that bite size morsel into your mouth. Um, notice everything about it, you know, um, your sense of um, when you're walking outdoors in nature, like really bringing mindful attention to what you're seeing, what you're smelling. Um, So engaging with the senses is something I feel we bypass and we don't really bring mindful attention to, Mm -hmm. but it is a practice that I, um, I bring, I try to engage with every day, whether it is, like I said, going to my local park and stopping to smell the roses, literally, Mm. or, um, you know, 
cooking with herbs in my kitchen and taking time to smell that rosemary or that basil and uh, noticing and noticing how it lights me up and what it what I feel like what it feels like to yes to um to nourish myself with with that particular scent or that taste or and then touch right we know that touch is such a powerful resource that's really literally at our fingertips yeah. for, for um for feeling that sense of connection of safety it of, of love right it it um activates the that octosocit octos oxytocin yeah yeah that's the one <laughs> and, and you know just having that sense of greater connection with ourselves so just taking time to 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 engage with our sense of touch um mm. that's another sense so that i feel is something that's so simple the senses right? yeah that um, we can really engage with and open up really this beautiful sense of of connection. I love that. And it's so simple, but we, as you say, we buy, we make it almost more complex, don't we? Or just don't pay attention to it. Yeah, don't pay attention to it. This has been an absolute pleasure, Gabriella. Thank you so much for um, sharing your time and your so much wisdom with us. I know this is this conversation is going to inspire so many people. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As ever, please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening. And please consider sharing it with a few of your friends. If my conversation with Gabriella struck a chord for you, maybe you are going through this big life change, you might want to consider reaching out to her. She offers one-to-one and group coaching programs. You don't have to be based in the US because she does it all online as well. Um, she leads groups of women and, and women as individuals through through movement practices, the breath work and pleasure practices to help you navigate this time. She is absolutely, the work she's doing is just amazing for this, this group of people. So I highly recommend you check her out. Um, and she's also the founder of something called My Menopause Story. I'm going to drop that link in the show notes so you can check it out it's a a community platform to help educate empower and elevate the stories of menopause that's all for this week everyone thanks so much for listening and don't forget to tune in for next week's episode bye bye